This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we talk about ideas for how to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about how we can tap into our five senses for more productivity and focus. And we'll talk to Will Schwalbe about friendship, time, and his new memoir, We Should Not Be Friends. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, the five senses, human nature. I'm in my little home office in New York City, and joining me today from Los Angeles is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, my sister, the sage. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and Gretch, I would say we're friends and sisters. Indeed, yes. Now, before we jump in to the Try This at Home, we got some great responses from listeners. One listener added her own response to Elizabeth's observation that becoming a parent helped you as a writer because you just couldn't have writer's block anymore. So that helped your career. Lauren said something similar. Yeah, she said, Liz, yes, becoming a parent helped my career too. I am confident that having my first kid led to my first promotion. When I returned to work, I was sitting in swirling meetings with no outcomes. In my mind, I was thinking, I don't have time for this. I need to go. (laughs) As a result, I started to propel meetings forward, facilitating to conclusion, etc. The goal at the time was just to get home, but I was promoted shortly thereafter, and it is now a defining part of my leadership style, not a bug, a feature. Love that. Yes. And then we got some responses to our suggestion in episode 358 about choosing a code word if you want to send a secret signal to someone during a conversation without everybody else knowing that you're doing it. 
And different listeners had different twists on the idea of a code word. Yeah, Sarah said, a different way we use code words in our family is that since the children were small, we told them anytime they felt uncomfortable in a situation, for example, on a play date or sleepover, but couldn't say so, for example, if someone was standing right there listening, they would text or call and reference a food we never eat and we all hate. I'm not telling what it is, as then our secret is out. As the kids hate this food, it's stuck in their minds. And on the phone, even with someone else's parent hovering or a peer listening, they could say something like, oh, we had X for lunch at school today, or are you cooking X when grandma comes over, etc." And it didn't sound too weird for a child to ask. We told them if they used this word, we would come immediately and rescue them, no questions asked, and we would make necessary excuses with any adults about why they needed to leave suddenly so they didn't have to handle that themselves. They could also use this at social events when we were there as a signal that they don't feel comfortable, something's not right, help. It's been used twice, once in a situation I was glad to remove my child from, and the kids are glad we have it and feel safer knowing they have a get out of here now signal when needed. Yeah, Eliza uh, and I had a signal that was purple. If she said purple, because often she would be in a situation where someone would be saying, oh, can you come over? Can you come over? Can you stay? And she didn't really want to. She was sort of like, I've had my fun. I'm ready for this play date to be over or something. And that was the way for me to say, even if she's saying, oh, I want to do it. Yes. I would say, no, you have to come home. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. great. And then Amy had one. She said, my husband has a tendency to talk very loudly when he's telling a story in a social situation especially if alcohol is involved. His booming voice can blow your hair back and he doesn't always realize it. We developed a code so I can subtly tell him to take it down a notch. I simply run my finger from the top of his spine to the middle. To the outsider, it looks just like I'm being affectionate, rubbing his back. My favorite thing is it doesn't draw attention to or embarrass my husband. So it's a nice secret signal. Yes. And then Emily said, my husband is a really thoughtful, interesting guy, but can tend to go on a bit. He likes to explain the details. If he's getting a little long-winded, I use blueberry to short circuit his explanations. In fairness, he could equally use it back at me if I'm being argumentative. I'm an upholder. Oh, that's <laughs> So this is good. I like these secret signals. Yes. So this week, our Try This at Home tip is to tap into your five senses for more productivity and focus. And in writing my book, Life in Five Senses, I found there are so many ways we can tap into our five senses to achieve so many different aims. And one of the aims is that it is something that can help us to buckle down, concentrate in a world where a lot of times there's a lot of things pulling our attention and our focus away. Yeah. So Gretchen, let's go through the five senses and talk about it. Okay. Well, starting with seeing, seeing is like the sense that takes up the most real estate in the brain. As I've commented many times for many people, outer order contributes to inner calm, not for everyone. Elizabeth, you are clutter blind. This, mm -hmm. It doesn't apply so much to you. But for a lot of people, outer order really does help with focus and productivity. And so if you find that you're having trouble concentrating, one thing to do is say, am I in a messy, cluttered environment? Are there too many things jarring my eyeballs? And if so, maybe I need to take the time to establish order. You don't want to do procrasticlearing. Right. You know, you spend too much time cleaning up as a way to procrastinate. But sometimes it's like, let me just take a little bit of time 
And in that way, I will actually set myself up for more success by creating an environment that feels more inviting to me. Okay. And then next is hearing. And I have to say, I am someone I cannot write, for instance, with music on. Yeah. I need quiet. Well, and just as you clear clutter, you can clear clatter. And one of the things you can do is just like you look for like the messy areas that might be catching your eye. You can think like, are there noises that are distracting me? Notification sounds. Elizabeth, do you have notification sounds on your phone? Um, no. Oh, see, neither do I. Uh, Jamie has notification sounds. I'm like, how can you stand that? <laughs> Some people want them, but that's an easy thing to do it. And then, Lizzie, you said, like, neither you nor I ever works to music. But, like, I know Adam likes to work in coffee shops, right? So is he a person who likes that kind of busy hum? Yes, he needs a din. He likes, it's really hard for him to work in quiet. He needs, he says the sound, he focuses because he's blocking out the sound, and that makes him focus on what he's doing, Whereas for me, I just, I need total quiet or as quiet as it can be. Yeah, yeah. And then some people, to block out noise, if you're having, a lot of people use white noise or pink noise or brown noise to create, or the sound of a fan or the sound of ocean sounds. But but I think this is a great know yourself better question because people really do thrive in different environments. And so, and this is like for your children, you might say, turn off the music because so you can focus. Whereas if you've got a child who really focuses better with music, you want to be aware that just because you and I need silence doesn't mean that everybody likes that. But here's something interesting that I did not realize before I did the research for Life in Five Senses. Our brains are very focused on other people. The brain is like, that's what it values most. That's what's most important to us is what are other people? What are they doing? What are they saying? What's interesting to them? What's scaring them? Like people, people, people. And so it can be for some people very distracting if they can hear people's voices, especially if it's people they know, like they're in the workplace and you're like, oh, I want to eavesdrop on that conversation. Mm. Um, so that's also something to be aware of as something that could potentially be distracting. If you're working from home and you can hear family members talking, is that something that you find very distracting? Uh, you want to be aware of that. Some people, they don't, it doesn't bother them, but for some people, it can help to take care of that. This is interesting, Gretch, smelling. I don't think of smelling as being something kind of related to focusing, explain how this works. Well, this is really fun. And Elizabeth, you actually facilitated this for me, unbeknownst to you. So do you remember, uh, I think two Christmases ago, you gave me this beautiful little wooden box that had like a clay stand and then these leaves made of incense paper. So you light one and it's like a leaf that burns and it has this really kind of beautiful, smoky, kind of autumnal smell. Yes. And so I love that, but I kind of use those sparingly. I also have this gardenia scented candle that I love. And so sometimes when I really need to focus, like I'm working on something that's really hard, it's kind of a ritual of like, okay, like this is maximum effort or like, I'm really going to like buckle down. I'll light that smell. And then of course, if you associate it with this feeling of concentration and focus and energy, that starts to help induce that feeling in you. And it's just pleasant. It's, it just feels more indulgent and delightful than than filing your papers. (laughs) So it's, it's more fun. I love this idea because I feel like we all have our special candles, but you're never sure when to light them. Like, how do I light it? Do I light it now when people are here or when people aren't here? Because not everybody likes a scented candle. And it's a whole thing. So this is like, it gives you that time to spend out, as we say, on your, you know, beloved candles. I'm going to start doing this. I have never done that. 
but I'm going yep. to. Oh, good. Well, I'm excited to see um, if it works for you. Yeah, you're right, because now you have like this special reason to burn a candle at a particular time. Okay, I'm going to go for the obvious one here. Okay, this is not going to come to a surprise to anyone, but the classic way to harness taste for focus and productivity is to drink some coffee. Mm. And if you're like, hey, does caffeine really affect people? Oh my gosh, it is bonkers. Read Michael Pollan's fascinating book called This Is Your Mind on Plants. He talks about how we're all, unless you're somebody who just really does not drink coffee, most people are like much more powerfully affected by caffeine than they realize. But what I have found talking to people is that because our cultural norm of like associating coffee with productivity and focus is so strong that even when people are drinking decaf, it still tends to give them a lift. Like it's so, it's an action that we associate with like, okay, buckling down. Yes, and um, the smell of it. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're starting something now. We're having a cup of coffee. Right. And even if you have a coffee break, it's often about like recharging in order to do more work. So even in terms of like kicking back with coffee, it's often about using it for more productivity. Well, and Gretch, to the taste of it all, you know, I associate the taste of icebreakers with writing because I always have yeah. some icebreakers next to me when I write. So very much that helps me go, okay, I'm focusing in. I got to eat my icebreakers. Well, you got me hooked on icebreakers for sure, but describe what they are to people who don't know what this oh, yeah, they're is. Oh, yeah. They're coming around a little tub and they're mints, basically. Pretty mild. It's not, they're much more mild yeah. than like Altoids, for instance. They come in all sorts of flavors. And so I and have sugar -free. an assortment. Sugar-free. Sometimes I'm in the mood for the sour and sometimes I'm in mood for the spearmint and, you know, I keep a selection. Yeah, yeah I love I love icebreakers. Yeah, they, you, you helped me to discover those. Okay, touching, Gretchen. More and more, I think people are aware of how to turn to the sense of touch uh, for productivity and focus. You hear about this a lot with children in classrooms using things like pop toys, therapy dough. I have a fidget spinner that I use all the time. When I find it's really useful is when I'm on a long video call because there's kind of that restlessness that sets in and you sort of, it's hard to stay focused. And there's something about using this um, fidget spinner. No one on the screen can see me doing it, but that activity in my hand helps me to concentrate my mind. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try that. I've never done that. Yeah, because you suffer through a lot of Zoom calls. Well, and you've got your treadmill desk. So sometimes you can be on your treadmill desk, but this is kind of the next best thing. It's yeah. still that movement that's kind of an outlet. Yes, absolutely. Well, if you want more ideas, I did write an article about this, and I'll post a link in the show notes, or you can just go to GretchenRubin.com and, and look for how to increase focus and productivity. But it's really, it's a great example of how we can tap into our five senses to just engage with the world in a way that helps us to achieve our aims for ourselves. Gretchen, I cannot wait to try my candle. Okay, yeah. Let us know if you do try this at home and how what you've done to tune into your five senses for more productivity and focus. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com or as always go to the show notes. This is episode 419. Go to happiercast.com slash 419 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a whimsical minor holiday celebration hack. But first, this break.
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Elizabeth, the happiness hack. We love whimsy. We love using the calendar as a catalyst. And we got a great imaginative example from a listener. Yes, Tracy said, one day recently when I came home from work, my husband had a surprise waiting for me. He had a large paper with many columns of dots printed on it. He asked me how many dots I thought were on the paper, then revealed the answer to be 20,000. He then led me into the dining room to find a cake with candles, 20,000 on it, flowers, a gift bag, and a happy birthday banner. Turns out it was my 20,000th day birthday. He had purchased a birthday card from the children's section. It said, you are two, but he had added zeros to make it, you are 20,000. What a surprise, and it brought such joy to my day. A whimsical minor holiday celebration. It also makes one stop and think, all those dots on the paper representing days I have lived. What have I done with all those days? What happened on this day slash dot and that day slash dot? Well, this is such a lovely idea. I did do the math. This is some sometime in like a 54th year, if you're wondering how many what that turns into. You'd have to figure it out exactly because of the leap days, and I yes. didn't I didn't do that. But this is this is so fun. Yeah, what a nice husband, huh? What a nice husband, yes. Wait, and speaking of hacks. Uh, for the very special episode coming up in 420, we are going gathering hacks about using the five senses in however you use them, productivity and focus or whimsy or however it might be. 
So if you have a great hack that about tapping into your five senses, send it in. And then the next episode, we'll round those up. And, you know, Elizabeth, we love a hack roundup. Oh, yes, I can't wait for we that. Do. We sure do. And now for an interview with Will Schwalbe. Will Schwalbe, for most of his career, has worked in publishing as an editor and an editor-in-chief at publishing houses such as William Morrow, Hyperion, and Macmillan. He also founded a startup called Cookster.com. He's also the writer of books and a true book lover, as his previous books show, The End of Your Life Book Club and Books for Living. And Gretchen, he's well, in your children's yep. literature book club. Yes, absolutely. It's so fun to have him there. And Will now has a new book that has just hit the shelves called We Should Not Be Friends, The Story of a Friendship. Here's a description. By the time Will Schwalbe was a junior at college, he had already met everyone he cared to know. The theater people, the writers, a handful of visual artists and comp lit majors, and the six other students who shared his own major, Latin and Greek. He also knew exactly who he wanted to avoid, the jocks. All this changed dramatically when Will collided with Chris Maxey, known to just about everyone as Maxey. Maxey was physically imposing, loud, and a star wrestler, and thanks to the strangely liberating circumstances of a little-known secret society at Yale, the two forged a bond that would become a mainstay of each other's lives for 40 years. From New Haven to New York City, from Hong Kong and London to a remote island, through marriages and a divorce, triumphs and devastating losses, We Should Not Be Friends tracks an extraordinary friendship through decades of challenge and change. Will's marvelous new work is a testament to the miracle of human connection. Hey, Will. Hi. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Liz. Hi. It's so great to have you here talking to us. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I've been really looking forward to this conversation, so I just am delighted. Well, there's so many things I love about this memoir, Will. And one of the things that really struck me was how you really captured the fun and the excitement, but also kind of the panic of being in college, being a young adult, not knowing exactly who you are, what you should do with your life, how you fit in. It was all this really vivid in your memory like that. It brought it all back for me, but I'd kind of forgotten I remembered it. Is it vivid in your mind or did you recapture that as part of working through the memoir? College is so vivid in my mind. Where my keys mm. are, where my wallet was, uh, what I did with a beloved sweater is not a question yeah. I could answer. But I remember <laughs> college incredibly well because it was exciting, it was new, it was scary, and it imprinted in my mind. That said... Uh, it was a real joy writing this book because I connected with all sorts of old friends and tested my memories oh. against theirs. And sometimes they said, oh, you're spot on. And sometimes they said, uh, yeah, that didn't happen. Interesting. We remember things differently. Well, so Will, you write about Maxie and your husband. But so how did you handle it with Maxie? Did you get his permission to write certain things? Did he have to approve it? Uh, I'm so curious about that process. And also your husband. So Maxie and his wife, Pam, opened up their entire lives to me. They told me everything. Maxie found a journal that he had kept in college. He shared with me the entire journal. Uh, he allowed me to talk to his kids and ask them anything. And the rules we set up were when I had finally written the book, I would show it to them, and they had carte blanche to take anything out, okay. ah. anything they wanted out. And I also said to them, 
look, if you've changed your mind about this project and you don't want it to happen, it doesn't happen. And my thinking was, there is no book that's more important than a friendship. Mm. So that's sort of the point of the book. Is that's the point of the book? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. They read it, and there were some things that they were uncomfortable about, maybe because they were wish they hadn't done them or were embarrassed. Mm. But at the end, they said, look, it's going to be warts and all, or it's not going to be at all. And they didn't take out one single thing. Oh, wow. They seem like those kind of people, sort of just open and honest and not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. That, that, oddly, that didn't surprise me at all. As for my husband, I read him the passages that related to him. And he was sort Mm -hmm. of slightly snoozing on the couch. And he said, yeah, fine, 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 (laughs) fine. Um, but I think he's fine with it all. So I think we're good. Yeah, because it's a tricky thing to write your perspective on what happened. It's intimate for them and it's intimate for you. It kind of breaks down a wall that's usually between people. It, it is, it's it's kind of unsettling. It is, but it turned out to be enormous fun and it really mm. further cemented our friendship. And we did do the remembering together. We would mm-hmm. sit around for hours and hours and reconstruct our conversations and remember funny details, and we were able to reconstruct the scenes, I think, really accurately because we had each other as a check. And it was mm-hmm. so fun to to spend time back in college, really, and yeah. become our goofy college selves. <laughs> yeah. Well, another one of the interesting themes about the book is, is you write about how, especially in the early days, but it, it persisted for a while, you felt very judged by Maxie and you felt like he had all these assumptions about you that he was imposing on you. But then over time, you realized that it was actually you who was the more judgmental one and you were the one that was bringing a lot of assumptions to kind of your connection. This is the kind of thing that's really hard to, to see in ourselves, I think. It's like how we're judging or you know how we're imposing assumptions. How did you get there? It took me a very long time to get there. And one of the things was I was so defensive, understandably Mm -hmm. so, because I was a young gay man in the early 80s, and the situation was in some ways similar to today, but in some days very different. And Mm -hmm. it was at the dawn of AIDS, and there was an enormous amount of prejudice against gay people and gay men in particular. So I meet this loud, obnoxious, swaggering jock at college (laughs) who never knowingly has met a gay person before. So he says a lot of stupid stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was understandably defensive, but I made all of these assumptions about him. And what I found out over the course of our year of having dinner twice a week together in this secret society, Mm -hmm. and then over the course of decades of friendship, was that while he was prejudiced against me, I was way more prejudiced against him. Mm. And that I made a lot of assumptions based on the kinds of activities he did and the clothes he wore and the fact that uh, he hung out with a lot of other jocks, and they weren't fair. Uh, that he has an amazing heart, great values, and he wanted to change. And so part of the point I want to get across in this book is we can be friends with so much, such Mm. a wider circle than we might think. And that even if we judge someone correctly, 
it doesn't mean that's who they really are in their heart, and it doesn't mean that they might not want to change. Mm -hmm. So do you think now when you meet people, based on this knowledge, you're more open? Can you sort of be present with that, or do you have to remind yourself? I have to remind myself. (laughs) It's so uh, built in, this uh, Mm -hmm. thing we do. Where we look at someone and we make a snap decision, oh, yeah, we should be friends or uh, we should not be friends. And (laughs) I have to talk myself over that. I have to say, how do you know? You haven't talked to them yet. And I also really believe that how people behave is much more important than what they say. So I really try to observe how people Mm. move through the world, especially how do they treat other people. Mm -hmm. And if they treat other people with kindness and generosity, we should be friends. Well, well, the subtitle of the memoir is The Story of a Friendship. So what are some of the lessons about friendship that you would recommend to others? One is this look at what people do. That's mm. a really that's a really good strategy, which is look beyond words to actions. Look beyond words to actions. Look when we're trying to decide, you know, who should be our friends, look look how people behave. But Keeping up a 40-year friendship takes work. It's like keeping up any other 40-year relationship, whether it's a marriage or a colleague or friendship. You have to work at it. And one of the lessons that I've learned through life that I really want to remind myself and others is it's better to say something than nothing. Mm -hmm. And that people are often so scared of saying the wrong thing that they say nothing at all. And there were times in Maxie's life when he was really going through some tough times. And I sometimes was so scared of saying the wrong thing that I didn't say anything or I didn't Mm -hmm. reach out to him. And I should have. And that's something we had to get over. And another really powerful lesson I learned, probably the most powerful for me, is... I loved being a good friend, and I really prided myself on being there at some really key points when Maxie needed me. Um, For example, he had a big operation, and I was there for him in the hospital. But I kept my own problems to myself, and I didn't let him be there for me. And I think one of the ways that you really can be a great friend is by letting your friends help you, not always trying to help them. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most moving and and kind of most uh, insightful passages was how you have to be able to be vulnerable or you have to be able to show that side of yourself or there's just like a limit to the closeness. And he's very upset with you when he finds that out. Like he feels like that wasn't being a good friend, even though sort of fit your idea of what being a good friend would be. Yeah, that's the angriest he's ever gotten at me. And he was really angry. I was dealing with a chronic illness and I didn't tell him. And he found uh-huh. out through another friend, and he was absolutely right. Uh, I should right. have shared that with him and allowed him to help me. And actually, when I did share it with him, uh, Maxie's this incredible guy who went from being a Navy SEAL to an eco-warrior and uh, practitioner of yoga, and he taught me breathing exercises that really helped mm-hmm. me with my chronic illness. And he was able to help me and give me that gift, and that further strengthened our friendship. Mm-hmm. But one thing that you talk about is you were in the secret society, so you had this kind of mandatory time together. And then even after college, it sort of created the this natural group that would meet. And so you were forced to spend time with him, even at the beginning when you didn't want to. And then it turned into this incredibly important friendship over the decades. Do you feel like it seems like these kind of a lot of times these mandatory relationships do turn into unlikely friendships? And so do you think this has implications for things like the remote workplace, like maybe people will lose certain kinds of friends that they would have just had. You know, we all have workplace friends that we would never have otherwise been friends with. It seems like maybe that's 
a, a, there was value to being forced to spend time with him. Enormous value. Uh, mm-hmm. I just read a study that fascinated me, which is they did a study of friendships in classrooms with school children. And if the kids were allowed to choose their own seats, they became mm-hmm. friends with people who were exactly like them, or they perceived to be exactly like them in very mm-hmm. superficial ways. If they assigned the seats in the classroom, the kids became friends with the kids who sat around them, whether they uh-huh. were alike at all or not. Uh. And those became really powerful friendships. And so I think being forced to get together is great, like we do in a workplace, um, and being forced in proximity to people who might not be the people we chose to be near is terrific. So I really do worry about going to an all-Zoom world because we won't have those forced proximities that give us these great friendships. Okay, last question. Will, we ask all our guests, do you have a try this at home suggestion that you would suggest to listeners for something they can do as just part of their ordinary day uh, to be happier? So my try this at home ordinary day happiness suggestion, which is related to friendship, is really just put in your diary every day the name of a friend that you haven't spoken to in a while and contact them. If it's just a text, uh-huh. it's just a text. If it's on Facebook, that's fine. If it's giving them a call. But uh. call a friend. Contact a friend every day. And I think that will add immeasurably to your happiness. Well, it's interesting that you, like, the very project of writing this book got you to con- connect with yes. a lot of people. And, and that itself brought happiness. Absolutely. Right. Well, thank you so much, Will. It was such a pleasure to get to talk to you about this beautiful memoir. Thanks, Will. Thanks so much, Liz. Thank you, Gretchen. I really appreciate it. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself a Valentine's Day-related demerit. But first is break. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with the class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And happier listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has Greenlight, and one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. 
Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm -hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you're up this week with a demerit. Okay, so... This is related to Valentine's Day. So every year for Valentine's Day, we send a holiday. That's our holiday card is a Valentine's Day card because I had the brilliant insight that it's better to do it for Valentine's Day because that's after all of the hustle and bustle of the holidays. It's easier to get the cards made because the people who make the cards are not so overwhelmed with orders and it's just easier to get it done. So, But every year it's a scramble, right? Because I leave it to the last minute and it's a whole to do as one does. This year, I really got it in gear early. Like, Mm. I got the picture taken of of (laughs) Eliza and Eleanor. I got them ordered. I cleaned up my address list, which is, Elizabeth, you and I have talked about. It's The address list is its own kind of ongoing process. Got it all done. Got the cards in the mail. Had ordered the love stamps, everything. And, like, patting myself on the back. And then I realized... The other thing that I do for Valentine's Day is I have our Valentine's Day gallery. Mm. Every year I take these Valentine's Day photos, put it in a pink, white, or red frame, and I make a gallery. And it's only out for a week or two. So we really see the pictures. We really appreciate them. They're not just like the other photographs that we have up all the time that we never look at because they're so familiar. So I always love this. It adds so much kind of like holiday cheer it's, but it's really easy. I just like take out a bunch of frames and on from the box and, you know, put them out. And this year I didn't think about it until after Valentine's Day, which is like a hundred percent just forgot about that whole part of how I celebrate Valentine's mm-hmm. Day in my family. So I was like, I don't care. We'll just do it late. So I, I put them up well after Valentine's Day and um, now I probably should take them down. But I was just like, how did I? I've done this every day for every year for years and years, and I just forgot. You know, sometimes the dates just fly by. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Listen, what's your gold star? So, Gretch, I am giving a gold star to my friend Roxy because, so let me back up and say that last weekend, Adam and Jack and I went with a group of other families um, on a glamping trip, you know, where you go. Mm-hmm. We were at a, at a place where we had cottages and we were all staying in the cottages, but it was glamping, you know, so upscale mm-hmm. camping. Not right. something I would normally do, but no. this was all <laughs> in support of um, a charity called Defy Ventures, and it included golfing, 
Um, and Adam loves to golf, but hadn't gone for at least 10 years. And my friend Roxy really pushed me to join on this weekend. She's like, it's a great charity. You're going to have a great time. She kept texting me. Did you sign up? Did you sign up? And finally, I caved and I signed up to do something I would normally never do, which is glamping. And mm -hmm. we had such a great time, Gretch. Um, and oh. it was such a great charity. We had a fantastic time. And... I would not have gone had Roxy really not pushed me. And I mean, mm -hmm. you know, she was a happiness bully, Gretch, the way you can sometimes. <laughs> and, and you know what? I admire people who are just willing to do that, to willing yeah. to kind of like not only take the time, but also put themselves out. And she said I, she knew that we would love it. And she was also wanting to get as many people as she could. And mm -hmm. so, you know, Gold Star to Roxy and also gold star to us for, you know, going and um, taking part. No, I, I, I was just going to say, I think that I want to give a gold star to you and Jack and Adam as well, because it isn't the kind of thing that you would, you would naturally do. And I can imagine all the hesitations that yeah. would come into your mind and all the kind of last minute, what have we done? What are we signing up for here? And so sometimes you just have to take a risk and uh, and then those times sometimes end up being the most fun of all and yes. just to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So gold star all around and it's so lovely that you had such a great time. The resources for this week. Okay, I have fresh new book plates to go with Life in 5 Senses. Though they can go in any books. They don't have the words Life in Five Senses on them or anything, but they're new. I'm excited about them. If you want a book plate for any of my books, but especially if you're thinking like, okay, I'm going to get the book and give it as a gift, say for Mother's Day when it comes out, I want to go ahead and get that organized. You can request a signed personalized book plate for free, within reason, I will send these to you. I can only do it in U.S. and Canada, unfortunately. This is an actual physical thing that I will mail to you. You can go to happiercast.com slash bookplate to put in your order. And again, because there's sort of a process here, it's always nice to have as much lead time as possible, which is why I'm mentioning it now, even though the book isn't out for a while. Um, so I can get that squared away. And if you want to pre-order the book, pre-order early and often, you can go to happiercast.com slash five senses and you can get the book excerpt and the pre-order bonus and everything you want to see about the book there. And I don't need to say it again, how valuable it is for people to pre-order. So I'm not going to say that. Mm -hmm. I'm just not even going to mention that. Um, but speaking of books, Elizabeth, what are we reading? What are you reading? I'm reading Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. And I'm reading Easy Beauty, a memoir by Chloe Cooper-Jones. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Tap into your five senses for more focus and productivity. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our guest, Will Schwalbe. You can read his beautiful memoir, We Should Not Be Friends. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram and TikTok at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Craft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward.
Alyssa, speaking of clearing clutter, when I come to LA for the book tour, I really hope that we can carve out a few hours to tackle your office. You know, I love clearing out your office. I know. I was thinking about that, Gretch. I was uh, thinking that's going to happen. <laughs> Step back. From the Onward Project. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org/students. That's lls.org/students. <laughs> 